Well, guess what, folks? It's that day where people like me are just constantly picking up their phone and hitting refresh, 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 refresh. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily and sometimes multiple times a day podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. There's my lower third. You can call me. Sorry, I had to adjust my microphone there for a quick second. There it is again. Sorry. Hey, um, I'm an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for the last decade or so. And I have been part of the Lockdown Podcast Network for the last five years now. I'm doing this one as a live stream because stuff is happening. Stuff is happening fast. And I want to get my... uh, get this in as quickly as I can because we're probably going to do another one later once the trade deadline comes to a close in just a few hours. Uh, I see a couple of people are already live in the live stream. If you want to say hello, uh, say something in the comments. Uh, follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter, as long as Twitter, or whatever. It's, I'm going to keep calling it Twitter. I still got a little birdie thing. I don't have a lax there. And as long as we still have Twitter, I'm going to be there at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram and our shows are locked on MLB pods on Twitter and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe to the lockdown pockets network here on YouTube. Uh, we're doing the live stream right now. We do those every once in a while. I'm probably going to do a, another recording once all the trade deadline stuff has come to a close. Uh, but yeah, the big, big news, the biggest news, the biggest baseball news of the day and possibly the year is someone finally got my trivia question. That's right. For the last few days, I have thrown out the trivia question, which was, what is the only postseason series to end on a walk-off, on a RBI single, RBI single from the visiting team? And I I thought someone would get it because it's a very strange event. Uh, but finally, I got someone. Uh, let's see, who was the one who finally got it? I think it was Kyle King. Finally got it. Um, It took place in game four of the 2003 division series between the Florida Marlins and the San Francisco Giants. While it was going on, I was in my bedroom in this house, actually, getting myself prepared for my wedding. I was putting on my tuxedo and my mom and I were there and we were both listening to the game. Kyle King got it right. What happened was this. The Marlins were winning in a uh, an elimination game at whatever it was called, play, Pro Player Park. Hugh Urbina, who would be later accused of attempted murder, was pitching. There were two runners on base. Jeffrey Hammonds got a base hit that drove in, uh, drove in the first run. And J.T. Snow was thrown out at home plate. And so the the base hit by the vi- visiting team, the runner was thrown out at home plate, and Padre Rodriguez held up the ball. Ergo, 
the the final play of a postseason series was a base hit from the visiting team. Kyle King got it. It's a weird question. I've been wanting to get it off the board, and um, I because I have I have another trivia question already lined up. Okay, moving on. The the hit was actually by Jeffrey Hammonds. All right, let's move on to the other big news, which is Justin Verlander. Now, the Mets had been making noise, but the nanosecond they traded away Robertson, they were basically saying, yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen this year. And I've said over and over again that I believe this is a smart move for the New York Metropolitans. I do think the Mets are in a situation where they are not going to win anything this year. And if you're not, then you can improve your team for the long haul. This could be a team that is very competitive in years to come, and they have the owner who's willing to do it, willing to pay for it. But sometimes we have seen that throwing good money after bad and not having the the intestinal fortitude to say, hey, let's rebuild, is the thing that has hamstrung to many of the New York franchises. How many times have we seen, oh, we spent so much money, we can't afford to rebuild? The Mets are saying, yeah, we can. We can because we will. And they tried. They tried for a big time this year. They brought in Scherzer. They brought in uh, last year. They brought in Verlander this year. They made a bunch of big moves. They didn't work. And so instead of saying, oh, well, maybe Father Time will finally lose and Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander will be back to being their Cy Young selves in another year, the Mets did the smart thing. The Mets did the smart thing to say, well, then it's a seller's market. Let's sell. Let's sell. Now, I thought I would have put my last dollar that I thought Verlander was going to go to the Baltimore Orioles. The reason I thought he was going to the Baltimore Orioles, they're a team that needs that big veteran pitcher in the middle of their rotation. They're a team that suddenly has found themselves in a position where they're not just a potential wildcard contender, which I think a lot of people thought they were going to be, but they are a legitimate pennant contender this year. And bringing in a Verlander, even if it's for a short term, could be the little boost that team needed to get all the way to the World Series. Instead, the defending champion Houston Astros picked him up. Now, the Astros are not having the superstar season that a lot of people thought they were going to have. That being said, with all the disappointments they've had this year, with all the players who have not performed at the level they thought they would, with all the injuries they have, we're sitting here, I'm recording this on the first day of August, and they are one half game out of first place with roughly 60 games to go. They have to play two games better than the Texas Rangers in order to go back and win the American League West. And if this team wins the division again, then all due respect to Baltimore, all due respect to Tampa Bay, all due respect to Texas, all due respect to Minnesota. If the Astros are the division champion, you would almost have to pick them to go back to the World Series. What it's also done, it has done the thing that people have been wanting to see happen since the Washington Senators moved to Texas before the 1972 season and have been salivating to have happen when the Astros moved to the American League of roughly 10 years ago, which was a potential rivalry between Texas and Houston. 
Yes, there was a year they both made the postseason in 2015. Yes, there have been times they've both been competitive. However, this is a year where it could come down to the two of them. Unless the Angels go on a wild ride, the division title could be between them. And lo and behold, who's the new face on Texas but Max Scherzer? Who's the new face in Houston but Justin Verlander? Former teammates with the Detroit Tigers who went on to win World Series titles elsewhere, met up, had a cup of coffee with the Mets together, split up, and now they're back in the state of Texas looking to lock antlers in what could be the most entertaining potential pennant race of the year. I actually think the most the, the best potential pennant race of the year could very well be the National League Central between Cincinnati and Milwaukee because chances are neither one of those teams are going to have a wild card to fall back on. I digress. This is a smart move for the Mets because they knew, look, at, it's not going to happen this year. So why don't we get younger? Why don't we take these chips and get younger and have the spending power? And it's a smart move for the Houston Astros who had to make a counterpoint to the Texas Rangers. This is a wonderful move for them as they really, they're salivating to get to their third straight World Series title, have a shot to win back-to-back championships. But I'll tell you the other thing. I mentioned this the other day. One of the things that I find extraordinarily interesting is to look back on this trade deadline uh, maybe in 2025 or 2026 because the Mets took four veterans, four quality players, removed them from their roster, Mark Canna, Max Scherzer, David Robertson, and Verlander. In exchange, they got one of the best prospects from Texas, Luis Angel Acuna. They got one of the best prospects, according to some reports, the best prospect in the Astros system, which is Drew Gilbert. They also got a terrific infield prospect from Miami and Marcos Vargas, a solid uh, pitching prospect from Milwaukee and Justin Jarvis, and um, Ryan Clifford, who's a 20-year-old outfielder from the Astros system. It will be very interesting if we take a look at the Mets, not next year, but 2025, 2026, to see if Acuna and Gilbert, Jarvis, Vargas, and Clifford are playing any part of those t- uh, of a potential pennant run in those years. If that's the case, then by all accounts, cutting bait, and yes, doing the thing that I said about a month ago, Rebuilding. Maybe not doing a complete teardown, but rebuilding. The Mets want to be the team of New York. Do you know how you get to be the team of New York? You win. And the team in New York that wins will be the first championship a new generation has experienced in 11 years in the city of New York. Sorry, Major League Soccer, I'm not counting you. And that Met team, if this team wins, will be the team for an entire generation. So, yeah, take a step back and look what you got. Maybe, just maybe, in 2025 or 2026, this could be the team of New York. Hey, you want to win some big money here on the trade deadline? Well, keep in mind, when a player makes a impression on a new team, they want to make it a good one. So sometimes it's a little bit of adrenaline. So if you see some of these players who are bouncing from team to team, Scherz or Verlander, Jace Peterson, whoever it is, that's when you want to cash in using Sleeper. 
And with Sleeper, you can swing for the fences with 100 times payouts. All you have to do is choose two or more players that you like, select more or less from the stack categories like home runs, strikeouts, hits, anyone you want, and get your picks right, you get to win big. And you get dynamic payouts. They're lives. You get more stack categories to put on, home runs, triples, stolen bases, and all that. And with the dynamic payouts, each player projected now has a multiplier attached to it as opposed to preset multipliers based on the number of legs in a contest. With dynamic payouts, also comes more stack categories to place contests on. You can get higher payouts than any other apps with fewer picks. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms and uses for details. Currently operation in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper. When should you check out Sleeper? I'll tell you when you should check out Sleeper. Check it out today. My apologies to those who are watching me on the live feed. We had what was called an internet crash. But here I am. I'm finishing up this particular episode. Things are bouncing around. Um, uh, I mentioned AJ Pollock was acquired from the Giants the other day. Uh, Sam Moley was picked up by the Reds. In case you don't know who Sam Moley is, he's a left-handed relief pitcher. And the Reds are getting a little bit of bullpen depth as they are going to be fighting tooth and nail with the Milwaukee Brewers for arguably most of the season. Um, Paul DeJong is heading over to the Toronto Blue Jays on uh, one of the strangest moves. One of the strangest stories ever told is the fact that the San Diego Padres are evidently buyers right now. They've worked out a deal. They brought in Choi and Hill from the Pirates. Um, I'm, I'm going right to, I mean, this happened relatively recently. I don't quite understand what's going on here because the Padres, like the Mets, are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Out of it. Um, Rich Hill, the oldest player in baseball, is so obviously not part of a youth movement. Uh, G-Man Choi, first baseman, uh, is heading, they're both heading to San Diego. Jackson Wolf, who is a um, left-handed pitching prospect for the Padres, he's heading to the Pittsburgh Pirates, along with Alfonso Rivas, who's a first baseman, and this Rosuero, who is an outfielder. Not 100% sure what's happening here. Uh, the reason I don't understand what's happening here is that, you know, I just want to yappity yapping about the Mets and how they're out of it. And, you know, the Mets are six games out of a playoff spot, five games under 500. Well, the Padres are three games under 500. And they are five games out of a playoff spot. And they would have to, in order to get that, it's beyond just their five games out. They're five games behind Arizona, Miami, and Milwaukee. And they're a game and a half behind Chicago. San Diego has to leapfrog Chicago, Milwaukee, Miami, and Arizona to get the third wildcard spot. Now, none of those teams I just mentioned, Arizona, Milwaukee, uh, Milwaukee's a good team. Arizona, Miami are overachievers this year. Chicago has just recently climbed back to 500. Now they've fallen back a couple of games. So while none of those teams are world beaters, and the Padres do have a ton of talent, it is asking a lot for them to not only make up the five games, but to expect everyone else to collapse. Maybe they're saying, hey, why not? Maybe they're saying, hey, these prospects we gave up on, we don't have a lot of faith in them. 
Why not? We, you know, this is obviously a team that was designed to go for it this year. But this does strike me as they're doing the opposite of what the Mets did, which is throw good money after bad. I'm not a fan of this. I don't think it's smart. Now, uh, I made a I made a, a reference to a, um, a a trade that was made earlier that um, sometimes these trades don't happen in vacuums. Again, that's all I have to say about the Padres. Don't know what they're doing. Um, you know, if they come back and win a, a spot in the playoffs, and Hill is a huge part of it, I'll eat my words. Okay, I'm always willing to eat my words. Uh, Paul DeJong, I did mention him, uh, was acquired for uh, he was a, a St. Louis Cardinal infielder. He's been acquired by the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, they sent a uh, Matt Svensson, who was a minor league pitcher, was sent packing back to St. Louis. So St. Louis has continued to fill their farm system with players. It does not appear that they're going to trade Arenado. I still think they should. Okay. The reason the Jong trade happened to Toronto is that Bo Bichette, I almost said Dante, Bo Bichette injured his knee. And uh, it looks like he's probably going to miss the rest of the season. Or if he doesn't miss the rest of the season, it'll be kind of sort of, uh, it'd be kind of stunning. And, you know, Bichette had a, a right knee discomfort, was taken out of the game, had to be helped off the field. And with the Blue Jays hanging on for dear life for a playoff spot, they made the deal for DeJong. I'll tell you why I like this trade. Am I saying DeJong's name right? I think I this is one of those players whose name I see in the box score and I never say it out loud. So I'm going to go to baseballreference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. Um, sorry, everyone who's big Cardinal fans. I don't say the man's name that often. But the uh, uh, the Blue Jays are doing essentially what the Atlanta Braves did a few years ago, which was, look at DeYoung. Uh, De sorry, DeYoung. My bad. Everyone can yell at me, at Sully Baseball on Twitter, or whatever they're calling Twitter these days. I'm sorry. I just, it's one of those, I've never said DeYoung's name until just now. Um, they're doing what the Atlanta Braves did a few years ago. There's a hole in the team. Dear Liza, dear Liza, there's a hole in the team, and they're filling it with a major leaguer. And DeYoung, have I never said his name until just now? If I, you know, I feel badly about it, but I just, I, I realize I don't, I don't say his name often. He was an all-star back in 2019. Um, he was, he's not been very good the last couple of years, but he's a major leaguer. Make sure there's a major leaguer in that position. This is what the Braves learned when they acquired Jorge Soler and uh, Eddie Rosario and Jock Peterson for the stretch run in 2021. Of course, they would rather have had Ronald Acuna and Marcelo Zuna in their outfield for the pennant run, but they didn't, and they had a major leaguer there. And in the end, that was all that was important. In the end, that's all they need to do. So um, good on good on the uh, the Blue Jays for making a smart move and making it quickly. Um, another big move today happened. Um, Jake Berger was uh, traded to the uh, Marlins. Interestingly, Eduardo Rodriguez, who was part of the Red Sox team that beat the Dodgers in 2018 under suspicious circumstances, uh, Rodriguez vetoed a trade to the L.A. Dodgers. The Dodgers need pitching help. Former Red Sox Eduardo Rodriguez is pitching with the Detroit Tigers. And uh, you know what? It basically looked like it was a good fit. And for reasons I don't understand, 
he vetoed the trade. Probably more on that coming up soon. Uh, another interesting move involved the Philadelphia Phillies and Michael Lorenzen. Michael Lorenzen is going to be going from the Detroit Tigers to the Phillies. They, the Tigers are setting an infield prospect Philadelphia's way. But uh, with Lorenzen, uh, the, the Philadelphia Phillies are acquiring someone who um, has been a solid pitcher for the Detroit Tigers, was named to the All-Star team this year. Uh, you know, the former pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds. He's been an effective starting pitcher for a pretty for a up and down Tigers team. And now he finds himself smack dab in the middle of the National League wildcard race. Again, an example of the Phillies need to have a little pitching depth. Hey, they got someone who made the was playing on the all-star team just a few weeks ago. That's not so bad. This is all a lot of fun. I'm probably gonna be doing another show maybe later today or tomorrow morning. But I got to tell you, I still think my method of what to do for the trade deadline is the best way to do it. I'm telling you, the way to do the trade deadline is this. You have all these people looking to, um, you know, who's getting the trade, who's getting that. I'm constantly refreshing MLB trade rumors here on the, the other laptop that you can't see uh, on the desk over here. Here's the way it should happen. This is throughout the entire year. You have waiver wire rules that uh, that come into effect after the trade deadline. You can block trades. It makes it very hard to move players around. And now there, there used to be a second trade deadline, which would be the last day of August. And then they consolidate to make it less confusing. This is the way that baseball could have a big event the way the NFL and the way the NBA have with their draft. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. I got some new listeners here. The way to do it is this. The reason why the NBA draft and the NFL draft become such a great television event is that people are familiar with the players in college football. People are familiar with the players in college basketball. They don't know the players in college baseball or in high school baseball because it isn't as big a moneymaker. Also, the players who get drafted spend one, two, three, sometimes four or five years in the, even the stars in the minor leagues before they finally make a big breakout in the majors. The ones who go basically from high school or college almost directly to the majors, the quickest you're going to do it is two years. That's the fastest. And you're never going to do it that way because they want to make sure you're prepared each way up along the way. So they draft the players like, all right, I guess I'm not going to see him. If you drafted a LeBron, you drafted, you know, who was a, I don't know enough about football to think of who was a big college football star, but you know, if you draft the Heisman Trophy winner or the biggest player, when I was younger, if it was like an Emmett Smith and you drafted him, you knew they were going to be on the team right away. And so, or, you know, I remember Barry Sanders was drafted by the Detroit Lions. You knew he was going to be playing on the team that year. You know, you knew when, you know, Allen Iverson was drafted by the Philadelphia Sixers, you knew he was going to be playing on that team. Bryce Harper took a few years before he saw a single game in a Washington Nationals uniform. But it's fun to have the, the speculation of we need this, we've got to draft that. Can't have that in baseball, but you can have that with trading. It's been a part of baseball fandom since almost the time when Abner Doubleday didn't invent the game. Hell, look at the what was our sponsor earlier today? It was Sleeper. Was that was all about 
you know, picking this player, picking that player. When we did so rare, not a sponsor today. It was about trading players and trading players, trading baseball cards, trading players in your fantasy baseball. That whole mentality of I want to trade this player for that. Three quarters of sports talk shows or the texts I get or the messages I get here are, oh, they need to trade for this player. They need to trade for that player. I was doing just the other day is that, oh, the Orioles should be trading for Justin Verlander. So the draft for those other sports is the time to say, we need this player from college football. We got that player from college. Oh, they should have drafted this. You can create an event like that for baseball. Here's the way you do it. The waiver wire rules that are used to block trades from August to the end of the year, you have those all year long. It's very hard to make a trade. Trades can be blocked. You can get a player through waivers, but they can be blocked. But you have one day around the one-third mark of the season and one day around the two-third marks of the season where you don't have any games. No games. All the GMs and everyone there, whether you do it in person or you do it Brady Bunch style with the different screens, on that day, you have about four or five hours where all waiver wire rules are relaxed. And in those four or five hours is an absolute feeding frenzy. No one can block anything. You can't, it's, it'll basically be like the purge. A more up-to-date movie reference than I normally make. And if you wanted to trade Mike Trout for, uh, you know, tickets to Oppenheimer, you can. And no one could say a thing about it during that four-hour stretch, but you have a big old clock. Everything has to be delivered at, to the commissioner's office and have the, the, like the, the mark be, you know, if it's you know, from noon to four, that has to be by 359. It has to get in under the wire. And so during that time, all the trade speculation is going around. It becomes craziness. It becomes a frenzy. And when you see the commissioner come up to the podium and make their announcement, stop. We have a trade to announce. What happened? Justin Verlander, yeah, is going to who? The Astros. Ah! Tell me you wouldn't watch that. Tell me that wouldn't be a huge event. Trading baseball cards, but actually trading dudes. That's the way they should do it. I think it would be a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun doing this podcast. Try to do it live. Technology conspired against me. But uh, go to Lockdown and... Oh, new trivia question. Try to get this earlier, okay? Um, one person, one Hall of Famer, has checked all of the boxes on their resume, and he's the only person in the world to do all of these things, to put all these things on his resume. He's a Hall of Fame player, multiple MVPs, World Series MVP, Triple crown winner and one manager of the year. Only one person has made it to the Hall of Fame, won the triple crown, won more than one MVP, one manager of the year, and was a World Series MVP. Tell me who that was, and hopefully it won't take a whole week of guesses. Follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Jumping in before the trade deadline ends. And who knows what news we're going to get. This has been Locked on MLB, first day of August 2023. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.